All right, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Luke chapter 2, which is, if you were at the South Lake campus, Pastor Todd just read from Luke 2, and he actually stopped right where I want to begin. So he, he did real well on that. So I think the Holy Spirit led him. Luke chapter 2 and 1 Timothy 4. If you'll put a marker at 1 Timothy chapter 4, all right? We've been in a series for eight weeks now, actually. This is the eighth message in this series. And we've been talking about the Holy Bible beyond words. That God's word is beyond any words on this earth. And I want to end this series with a message called The Miracle of Meditation. The Miracle of Meditation. Now Luke chapter 2 is the Christmas story. Uh, verses 1 through 14 probably be the whole Christmas story that's normally read. But I want to start at verse 15. Luke 2 verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they'd seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, look at verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. This word pondered is a word that we would describe as meditation, that she meditated. She gave serious thought. She gave focused thought to what God had spoken to her heart. That's what we want to do with the word. Let me read you a few other verses. Joshua 1 verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You shall meditate in this word day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You will prosper and have success in your family, relationships, health, finances in every area, not just finances, what he's talking about here, with your life. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, now watch this, he meditates day and night. He, the one who meditates in the word, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. Now, I just read two verses to you that if you will meditate on the word of God, you will prosper in everything you do. Whatever you do will prosper and you'll be successful. That's incredible to me. This Hebrew word, meditate, I know this may be a long definition to write down, but maybe you can go back and listen to it. This, this, the word means to ponder. It's what we just read about Mary, to ponder. But let me go on with the definition. It means to give serious thought and consideration to selected information. To give serious thought and consideration to selected information. And then the definition goes on and says, with an implication of speaking to review the material. With an implication of speaking to review the material. In other words, just to give you a few ideas of how you could meditate on God's Word, you could write a scripture in the morning on a, on a note card and meditate on that scripture all day 
and think about it and focus on it and spend some time. You could, as we said, take your lunch hour and spend an hour meditating on the Word of God. Now, some of you might think, well, I just don't know if I could spend an hour meditating on one thing. Or, or, or what about two hours? Could you spend two hours meditating on the Bible? Say, oh, I just don't think I could do that. Well, I have a question for you. You ever been to a movie? You, you spent two hours meditating on one subject. You say, well, yeah, but a movie's entertaining. Excuse me? <laughs> the best book ever written is not entertaining. See, that's a lie of the enemy. If we'll take some time and just meditate on God's Word, I'm telling you that something miraculous happens in us when we do that. Something supernatural will happen in you if you'll meditate on this book. Now, why? Why does something supernatural happen when you meditate on the Word? Well, I have three reasons for you, all right? Here's number one. Because God's Word is seed. God's Word is seed. For, I'll get to 1 Timothy 4 in a minute, all right? 1 Peter 1, verse 23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Having been born again, not of corruptible, that would be, a, another word for that would be perishable seed, but of imperishable or incorruptible seed through the Word of God. God's Word is a seed. When I read God's Word, when I study God's Word, when I meditate on God's Word, when I put God's Word in my heart, I'm actually putting a seed in there. And that seed is going to produce. You think about when you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, that seed doesn't look anything like the picture on the package that it came out of if you got it out of one of those packages you know they've got real pretty flowers on the front or or some vegetable you're trying to grow and you pull the seed out it doesn't look anything like that but if you'll put it in the ground that seed has the potential to produce that picture that to produce actually that fruit or that vegetable right it's the same way with God's word and here's what Jesus said when you put the seed in and he said this in Mark 4 the sower sows the word and that word can produce a 30 60 or 100 fold increase. So when I meditate on the Word of God, I am meditating on something that is a good seed that's going to produce good fruit in me. Psalm 119, let me just read you just a few verses. Psalm 119, the whole, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It talks about God's Word, but it calls God's Word several different names. Uh, statutes, commandments, precepts, laws, let me read you a few verses, That's they, just a few from Psalm 119. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Verse 23, princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Verse 48, my hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 78, let the proud be ashamed, for they have treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Now, here he's talking about all three of David says, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to meditate on God's word. I'm going to meditate on God's word. And then he makes this statement. I've even been done wrong. 
I've got people talking about me and saying falsehoods about me, and, and, and they did me wrong. But instead of meditating on what they did, I'll meditate on that. Do you, do you realize that we already meditate on things? And here's the problem. When we're in bondage to something, we actually meditate on the bondage. We, we meditate, now listen to me, we meditate on the lie that holds us in bondage instead of the truth that can set us free. We actually meditate on the wrong thing. A man who's in bondage to lust meditates on lustful thoughts. He gives it serious thought and consideration and he focuses on it. A person who's in bondage to bitterness actually meditates on the hurts that have been done to them. Meditates on the bad things and all the things that have been said. You think about it. When you've had an argument with someone, how much time do you spend thinking about that? And thinking about all the things you should have said and that you'll say next time. And we just meditate on it instead of meditating on the Word of God. God's Word is a seed that when we meditate on His Word, it's going to produce something in us. That's one reason that a miracle happens. Here's the second reason. Because God's Word is alive. It's alive. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Now this is good. The thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word is living. It is alive. So when I meditate on it, life begins to burst out of me. And it, meta, it, it discerns between the thoughts and intents. Now, here's, here's what I want to say. Thoughts and intents. God's Word helps me know His will and do His will. It not only helps me with knowing it, it helps me with my intentions to do His will. Now, um, 1 Timothy 4. Remember I asked you to turn to 1 Timothy 4? I'm going to do something a little bit different here. And that is I'm going to speak to the young people for a minute. I really felt like God just really zeroed me in to encourage young people to meditate on the Word of God. Uh, and so I want to ask you a question if you're a young person here. If you don't know, ask your spouse. If you have a spouse, you might not be a young person. All right, so, okay. Um, I don't want you to raise your hands, all right, but this is for both campuses, South Lake and North Richland Hills, but don't raise your hands, all right? Have you ever felt like people look down on you because you're young? You ever felt like maybe people didn't respect you because you're young? All right? Look at this scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth. That word means look down on. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Well, how are you going to do all that? How are you going to be a, an example in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity? Okay, watch verse 13. This is Paul talking to Timothy, a young man. Until I come, here's what he says, give attention to reading. Reading, this is talking about the scriptures. Exhortation to doctrine. It's talking about the scriptures. You give attention to reading the Word of God and knowing God's Word. Verse 14, and don't neglect the gift that is in you. In other words, find a place to serve also, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Now watch verse 15. Meditate on these things. 
Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. This, this is a word to every young person. This is what I did when I got saved. When I got saved, I started meditating on the Word of God. I started speaking to uh, youth events and traveling and speaking, and I was speaking in the evening, so most of the time I spent much of the day in the Word, sometimes eight hours in the Word. And I just meditated on the Word, and I could pull Scripture from every place in the Bible. I would read a Scripture in Amos. It would remind me of one in Habakkuk, and that would remind, remind me of one in Isaiah, and that would remind me of one in uh, Philippians, and that would remind me of one in Exodus. And I would just pull Scripture together like that. And during that time is actually when I began to get so uh, hungry for the Word of God. And that's when I began to see all these types and shadows in the Word. I saw all these symbols in the Word. And some of them I've shared with you in this. If this is your first message to hear, you're, you're kind of behind the curve a little bit because you haven't heard some of these. But we started talking about the bread. Remember that? The very first message was about the bread. And there are a couple of scriptures that I thought I'd just show you. These are scriptures I found as a young man, and as I meditated on them, and on the rest of the word, I, I saw some things, and it caused the Bible to come alive to me, right? Let me just give you a couple. Isaiah 4 verse 1 says, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel, but let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. Now, didn't that verse minister to you? Okay. Well, when you just read the Bible as a regular book, you probably won't get much out of that. But when you read it as a spiritual book that has these spiritual analogies in it, then you see things that you've never seen before. So this is what I saw as a young man. I remember reading that verse and meditating on that verse and thinking about now what do these things represent in other places in the Scripture? It says, in that day, seven women will take hold of one man. Well, seven women, immediately I thought of that women represent the church because a, the, the church is the bride of Christ, right? And when it said seven, I immediately thought there's a place where Jesus himself addresses seven churches. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, right? And most theologians believe that those seven churches represent the end-time church. And that those the admonitions and the instructions and the corrections to those seven churches could be applicable to us today. And when you look at it, here you've got the Jesus saying these seven churches, you, you, you need to do this and do this and don't do this and stop doing this. And so here's what I think he's saying here. In that day, the church that, that, that kind of leaves part of this kind of moves away from being really in love with God. Here's what they'll do. They'll take hold of one man. That one man obviously would be Jesus. But here's what they say. We're going to eat our own food. Now remember, food represents the Word of God. We're going to eat our own bread. We're going to eat our own food. Here's what they're saying. We're going to teach our own doctrines. We're going to teach our own traditions. We're going to teach what we want to teach. And we'll wear our own clothes. When you think about clothes in Scripture, they always represent righteousness. They were clothed with the, the uh, white garments, which are the righteous acts of the saints. Before you get saved, your clothes are filthy rags in the sight of God, right? So he clothes us. He took the garment off Zechariah, and he's put a new garment on him and said, See, I've clothed you with righteousness. So clothes always represent righteousness. Now, here's what they say. Here's what a church that goes away from God says. He says, Now, we're going to take hold of Jesus. Now, listen, though. We're going to teach our own doctrines. We're, we're going we're to teach our own traditions and we're going to have our own form of righteousness, 
but let us still be called by your name to take away our reproach. Isn't that good? There's a lot of things in this book that just, just if, you, if you'll just meditate on it, you begin to see things that you've never seen before. Let me show you one more. Leviticus 26, verse 26. says, When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall bring back your bread by weight, and you shall eat it and not be satisfied. Now, another one. Didn't that minister to you? Okay. Well, women represent churches. And bread, we know, represents the word. So, listen, maybe this is what this is saying. In that day, when you, if, you, if you walk away from me, I'm going to cut off your revelation. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. Ten different churches, many different churches, are going to prepare your Sunday school lessons in one place. And they're going to bring it back to you. And they're going to measure it out to you by weight. In other words, you'll open up your lesson that week and you've got two scriptures that week. And that's all you get that week. And you'll eat it. And not be satisfied. You ever been there? <laughs> you ever say, is this, this all the scripture we get this week? That's all you get this week. See, there's a lot of things in this book that if you'll just take some time to read it and meditate on it, it'll blow you away. I got one more admonition for the young people, all right? One more, all right? Genesis 24, verse 63 says, And Isaac went out to meditate. And what did Isaac do? He went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah, which the Bible says that Rebekah was beautiful. I mean, she was gorgeous. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done, then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. He took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Okay. Isaac went out to meditate on the word of God, and God brought him a beautiful woman. Okay, listen. Meditate on the word, a hot babe. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Amen. Amen. I'm just saying, if you're a young person, best thing you can do, meditate on God's word. Let God take care of the hot chick. All right, ready? Let's keep going. Here's the third reason something miraculous happens in us when we meditate on God's word. Because God's word is Jesus. Because God's word is Jesus. This is where we started this series. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, He, Jesus, the Word, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, Nothing was made that was made. Do you realize if you just meditate on that for a moment, personalize it, all things in your life come from him. And without him, nothing comes from nothing. Nothing happens without him. Verse 10, here's a sad verse in my opinion. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Can you imagine Jesus 
walking around in the world he made and they didn't even know it. They didn't even know he, he gave them life and breath. And he's walking around in the world. They don't even recognize him. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you don't understand that Jesus is the word, I don't know how you can read these verses. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Revelation 19, 13, and his name is called the word of God. Okay. Why does something supernatural happen in me when I meditate on the word of God? Because I'm actually meditating on Jesus. All things are created by him and are held together by him. I think there are some things that Jesus would like to create in your life. And I think there are some things that he would like to hold together. But here's what we must understand. Yes, you accept Jesus. He becomes your Lord and Savior. But listen to me. You determine how much of his life you're going to let flow through you. And let me tell you one way you determine it by how much time you spend in his word. You put as much time as you can in the word of God. You fill yourself with the word of God. You meditate on the word of God. You memorize the word of God. And as you do, you're releasing the life of Jesus in your life. Something supernatural happens. Now, if you're in 1 Timothy 4, if you're still there, go probably four pages to the left, all right? You'll see 2 Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians, Colossians, and then Philippians 4, all right? Philippians 4, this is the last scripture, and this is, we're going to end our series with this scripture. I think it's kind of amazing that the Lord gave me this scripture to end this series, all right? Revelation 4, verse 8, says, finally, brethren, now for us, we could put after eight weeks, <laughs> finally, brethren, Whatever things are true. Now, many of us are familiar with this verse, but before we go on, I just I want to help you maybe see this in a different light. Let me, I want to ask you a question. Is God's word true? Okay. Think about this verse now in maybe a different light. Whatever things are true. Well, we know God's word's true. Whatever things are noble. This means to be above others. Obviously, God's word is above. Whatever things are just. God's word's just. Whatever things are pure, God's word's pure. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, good news, God's word is. If there is any virtue, watch this, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I promise you, if I could convince you, I'd do everything I could to convince you today, and that's what I'm doing. I promise you, if you'll meditate on the Word of God, something miraculous will happen in your life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? You got up and you came to church and you worshiped and you heard God's Word. Now you have to do something. You have to decide to receive it, to accept it, to put it into practice in your life, or you have to decide to reject it. I don't believe you came to decide to reject it. I believe you already, when you just by coming, you've decided to receive from the Lord today. So I want us to make a commitment today. 
We're going to end our year. And we're going to start our year with Jesus. We're not going to just read the Bible during the series on the Bible. But we're going to read God's Word, meditate on God's Word every day. And let God then, let His seed, let His life, let His Son be birthed in us. If you're here today and you need prayer for any area of your life, we want to pray for you. Maybe you came to the Christmas production last week and you wanted to give your life to Jesus, but you didn't give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you gave your life to Jesus, but you'd like to talk to someone about this new life. Maybe you are going through a difficulty right now in your family or your finances or your health, your relationship with God. No matter where you are, we want to pray for you. And I want you to understand what we're about to do is, is not embarrassing. That, that would be the lie of the enemy to try to keep you in bondage. In just a moment at both campuses and in the overflow, we're going to stand in just a moment and when we stand, we're going to have leaders at the front. Again, at every place, South, at South Lake, NRH, and in Overflow, we'll have leaders. And here's what I want you to do. If you need prayer for any area of your life, when we stand up, just come to one of the leaders and let us pray for you. Let us help you, all right? And please, make up your mind that you're going to come. If you need prayer, that's what, this is, that's what church is for. It is not embarrassing. It really isn't. It really isn't. There will be other people coming. You'll see as soon as we stand up, people will start coming. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, no matter where you are right now, if you need prayer, as soon as we stand up, I want you just to come to the front, come to one of the leaders. And I just really especially feel to say to those at the NRH campus, please don't hold back. If you need prayer, you're at the NRH campus, as soon as we stand up, come on, you just come to the front. Let us minister to you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll draw every person that has any prayer need. In Jesus' name, amen.